Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Levi Dobrinsky, a talented orchestra director and dedicated music education champion for students of all ages. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I'm here today with Levi Dobrinsky, who is the orchestra director at Putnam City West High School and in his seventh year of teaching. He serves as the chairman of orchestras for all Putnam City schools and as the director of the Silver Strings of Putnam City, Oklahoma's only strolling orchestra, now in its 31st concert season. In 2020, Putnam City Orchestra Program will be traveling to London on invitation from the Lord Mayor of Westminster to participate in the London New Year's Day Music Festival. Levi has also served as the state president for the Collegiate Oklahoma Music Educators Association and as concertmaster for the symphony and chamber orchestra at the University of Central Oklahoma. In 2018, he was named the Oklahoma Music Educators Association Young Music Educator of the Year for the state of Oklahoma. Levi, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. And so as you may know, we start each episode with a kickoff question, and you've picked yours, so we'll just do that and see where the conversation takes us. Sounds great. What makes you want to get out of bed in the morning? For me, what really makes me excited to get up every single day, of course, my lovely wife, my five-month-old baby girl, Sadie, uh, and my lovely family and, and great friends, but really it's just the students that I serve every single day. Uh, thinking of all 160 of them that I interact with every day, um, thinking of where they come from, thinking of their lives, thinking of, of what they bring to the table each day as they come to school, um, I'm kind of excited every day just to see see where they are, that they're sharing in that life experience as I'm sharing in mine with them. And together we get to make music every single day in either a very elementary style or in a more advanced style. So really just enjoy that human interaction with my students and seeing how they live and getting to create with them every day. Yeah. Well, and anybody who's ever seen you, met you in person or seen you, uh, with your students can can testify to that. You know, I know that I've known that about you for several years now, as long as I've known you. And to see your passion uh, every time that you're in front of your kids, it's very obvious. And so what got you to that point? What? How did you pursue music and music education specifically? And uh, what's sort of your, your backstory there? Sure. I mean, it's, it's really a, a complex setup. My, my mother was a teacher. She was a third grade teacher in the same school district. Um, I really loved those summers I got to spend in her classroom helping her make bulletin boards, um, helping her to organize books on the shelf or, or sort papers and do some of the fun things, the logistical things that you know, an eight, nine, ten-year-old guy just loves to do, helping their mom with their job, feeling really special and, and like they're doing something. And um, didn't really want to pursue music, but always just had a passion for it, loved playing it, played it from when I was young with my grandpa, taking, you know, piano lessons, taught me to play the guitar, also um, took voice lessons, just all kind of things, enjoyed making music, didn't ever really see, see it being a part of my career. I'd say, honestly, until I was a junior or senior in high school, uh, when I started helping my uh, orchestra teacher at that time, Molly Baugh at Putnam City North, 
teach an elementary class. Um, and then also I was really involved with Silver Strings. And ironically, the group I get to c conduct and get to direct now, that's such a cool story that we can go into. But um, just really, Ann Guevara, uh, teaching teacher at Putnam City West before me, and um, just really took me under her wing and kind of uh, took me to some of the state level things and kind of got my foot started in that and, and let me start dabbling and seeing what an orchestra teacher's life looked like and um, went to college at UCO and really was hooked ever since. So Yeah, so some of it really started at, at an early age when you were able to help your mom in the classroom and some of that logistical support. And, um, and, and, then, and then there was this time in between where maybe music wasn't, you didn't see that as a career option. But uh, for those that may be listening in and curious, what were some of your other uh, career paths or degree options that you were thinking through? Oh man, I had I went back and forth between them. Of course, the the early days of I'm going to be a doctor, and I, I really wanted to do that. My my mom has always had some health problems in her life, and so I think looking back and analyzing that, I was trying to kind of be a fixer of that in that early um, in that early path. That kind of moved over to wanting to do something with math, maybe finance, maybe wanting to get involved in, in statistics, something that's that more numbers based, uh, which I, I really loved and still have a passion for. I love I loved math. I minored in it at, uh, at UCO, but uh, just kind of wavered back and forth, uh, even went down the, the, the math teacher route for a little while and, and was going to have that as a backup in case I ever got tired of the orchestra thing. But it just... Uh, now I, I'm really glad that I chose the, the route that, that I went down and just and I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's really fascinating to know. And so I, I don't want to take us down too many rabbit trails, but I am curious about the, the mathematical component and how that relates to music. Do you find some of that, that drive and that interest in mathematics realized in, in uh, music education? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, what... Uh, you know, you you can pick any study you want that shows that music and 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 high performing students are corollary, um, and I think I think math is a big part of that. Uh, you know, even if you take the basic structure of a measure that's in four four time that has four beats, well, we get to talk about fractions, you know, in fourth grade and how adding two of those quarter notes together make a half because two quarters equals a half. And uh, so it really, it, it does supplement a lot of what they're getting in their other classes. And then when you get to a more advanced level and you get to high school and you look at phrase structures of being eight measures versus maybe 16 measures, and it might change based on the type of the piece, uh, really does tie a lot back to, to math and, and how the notes and the phrases and everything work together. Um, and really make what each piece is that we listen to. So Yeah, and there are so many different aspects to your role, roles, plural, really. But you've got the instructional components where you're actually teaching the students musical skills in a variety of ways. And then you have uh, also the performance. And, and these are, appear to me, as, a, as an amateur musician, as someone who plays by ear and has a history of you know, playing guitar and singing, um, and I played violin when I was younger. Hey, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did through the sixth grade. Awesome. And then I picked up the keyboard and, and guitar in my teenage years. So came back to it myself. That's great. Yeah. And it's instrumental in my life as well. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, in those different roles that you have, what I'm trying to get to is um, what do you find most rewarding and if you'd like most challenging about you know, when you're in front of your students and they're at a performance, for example, or maybe they're at a contest, 
you know, and they're being scored or judged uh, versus in the classroom teaching them new skills. Sure. Uh, I think it's really interesting you mentioned that. I was just thinking along those lines in in the past month. Uh, It's so tough on that concert stage. You know, we we have a great music community here in Oklahoma City, uh, here in the state really, especially for orchestra. We are a very tight-knit community of directors, and um, but it's so difficult to put your group that you've spent days and months preparing something. You know those kids, you know them on a little more personal level. I mean, some of my high schoolers I've taught since sixth grade now, I see them as juniors and seniors, so you know what struggles they're going through, you know what, what successes they're, they're achieving, and then it all culminates to one moment when they're on the stage. And uh, you know, we talk so much about how to make that moment worth it, but uh, it's, it's, it's really difficult to lay that in the hands of somebody that's sitting in a chair that you know, definitely has the credentials and definitely has the expertise to give an appropriate rating. Um, but at the same time, they don't know all that backstory. You know? and, and as I've taught, my, my favorite things aren't maybe necessarily the concerts. I love them. I love showing off um, what the kids are doing and, and how well they're achieving and how much they've worked. But for me, I like that journey. I like that, that, that from that first read of that music and all the mistakes that are made and all the things and the details that aren't noticed to then crafting it over a month, month and a half, two months sometimes of performance and every student's individualized practice and seeing that growth. And so I think sometimes when we get on that concert stage, it's, it's a lot more than what the normal person might think is, is on that stage. It goes back, it goes deeper uh, into those students' lives and into how much time each one of them individually has, has poured into that. So it, it is kind of a, a tough balance for just a normal concert goer that might be coming to listen to their kids or another student, another performing group um, versus uh, myself or other music educators that get to see that, that process. Right. Yeah, there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes. By the time that you get to, as the, as the average concert goers, as, as by the time that we actually get to that performance, all of these hours, all of these struggles, all of these uh, achievements that have gone on behind the scenes, and then you get everybody together at the same time after all those rehearsals and it's go time. And yes. you have really just one chance to do it at that point. Um, and so, right. And so that's good for our audience to know those that may not realize that about uh, music and music performance. I did want to come back and, and pick up the thread from the silver strings also. Um, there's some of these uh, same components there. You have the rehearsals, you have the performance, but you know, there's, there's something really unique, several unique things about the silver strings program. And just wanted to give you a couple minutes to talk about that. Absolutely. And for those people that don't know what silver strings is, it's a, it's a strictly strolling orchestra. So your normal aspect or your, your normal take on orchestra might be chairs and stands, people sitting on a stage, performing with a conductor, waving a baton, clapping very formally, bravo, at the end. Um, Silver Strings uh, is, is almost 180 from that. It still is great playing, but we don't focus mainly on uh, the classical repertoire or original written for curricular repertoire. We play everything, this year's show, from the Jonas Brothers to um, One Direction to... Elvis Presley. I mean, everything in between. They, there's great writing and arrangements for those pieces. And, and I really feel Silver Strings is the community face of orchestra. Uh, it's at least for Putnam City uh, in, in our district. Uh, and it, it really kind of branches out and, and makes that crossover from somebody who's willing to come to a devoted orchestra concert to somebody who might just be 
walking around Bricktown or walking around downtown Oklahoma City and then they, they come across a group playing and they're playing from memory, walking around without chairs, without stands, um, with smiles on their faces, engaging with the audience one-on-one, -on -one, you know, two or three feet from an actual performer. It just really kind of, I think, personalizes that orchestral and musical experience for them. And, oh man, I could go on for days about the backside of what it does for students, getting them to perform that close to people in their community, um, getting to see some of the people in their community, uh, whether it be when we play at a nursing home facility, some of those, those individuals that, that don't get to experience that type of concert very often, or just to somebody who's maybe never even heard a cello or a viola. Uh, maybe they've heard a violin or a bass in other contexts, but, but it's walking around downtown that just hears music. Uh, so it really does a lot to connect our community to our art form and, and a great service to our students, allowing them to connect those two for themselves as well. Right. And so, uh, of course, I'm very supportive and, and we have a daughter that's in the program and we've been to lots of the performances. And uh, one of the interesting things, too, about the Silver Strings is that they do an, an annual event or they're, they're part of an annual event, a 5K yes. on the 4th of July. Did you want to talk just a little bit about to. that? I'd love to, yes. Okay. It's the Stars and Stripes uh, Forever 5K. Uh, we do it here at Lake Hefner. We, we're even looking at maybe changing that location in the future because we have so many runners, four or 500 runners, a great running community here in Oklahoma City. And 100% uh, of those proceeds from that 5K benefit the Silver Strings with the logistical costs of, of music, of providing students uniforms, of uh, going directly also into student scholarship accounts. That's what I love about what we're able to do with, with Silver Strings uh, is any money that we take from any performance venue, 100% um, of that money gets put right back into students um, where they're able to earn money for music camps, for instruments, for um, private lessons, for trips, or even our tour that we set up every other year uh, to go around the region outside of Oklahoma and play. And so it's really neat to teach students at that young age that their instrument can be a way of provision for them in ways not just that are curricular or at school. It's not just a grade. I mean, you're earning actual scholarship credit for the work that you're doing in the community. So they get that, that payback. They receive that kickback from what they're doing for the community in a way that supports them and grows. And it's just, it becomes ex exponential at that point. And it's great to see how it goes. Yeah. And, you know, on that point with um, all the, the opportunities that are afforded to students that are involved in Putnam City orchestral programs, uh, you know, we mentioned the London trip that's coming up yes. in 2020. And uh, did you want to share a little bit on that? I would love to. Uh, it's, it's a fabulous event. Just was approached from one of the, um, one of the people that are in, in, involved in that parade and music festival. Uh, saw what we were doing. We were very impressed with how we were growing our programs and, and the quality of performances that, that we've been producing. And Silver Strings and in general at, at the high schools and uh, offered us that invitation. We graciously accepted and um, th really the rest is history. We're really excited. We're, we're taking 107 students, uh, almost 40 adults uh, going as well to chaperone uh, to perform uh, this December 29th, I think's the date in London, uh, that we're going to perform. And uh, it, it really is changing the shape of our students. I mean, they've been able to play out in the community with silver strings or play at their schools um, with generalized concerts, but having that opportunity to go abroad to perform 
And I'm excited for the culture that they're going to get to experience over there, um, not just in the people, but in that they can take what they've developed in their life and what they've worked on and, and share that with somebody that they might never have the opportunity to interact with before. And uh, it, it's, it's really going to be an exciting event and um, that really our whole community is, is really behind it and excited for, for this opportunity, you know, not just showing off the kids, but for the growing that's going to happen to those students because of it. Right. And I love that perspective on a personal level. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to really appreciate what you've just shared here. There's a cultural exchange that happens through things like this. And there's a shaping that happens for, for both the performer, the, the student, and those that are, are uh, you know, in the audience or a part of the, uh, the culture that's receiving this event and this music that's a part of it. And I know that in our house, we talk a lot about how music can take you places. Yes. And that can be metaphorically and in your imagination, but also, like we're talking about right now, physically, literally, can take you places. It can help you to get to college and be able to pay for college. And before you get there, guess what? It can take you to London. It can take you to Branson. It can take you to uh, Norman or Stillwater or wherever else it may travel to. But all of these opportunities to engage with community, to have a cultural exchange, to learn something about yourself as you're performing and uh, developing your musical skills. Absolutely. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head that it's, it's, it's more than just... Uh, what we're sharing. It, it's that physical where it could take you. Know, I, I reflect back every year in my finale concert, I print um, all the seniors' pictures, put them on the window in my office, and underneath it, it's what's your plans, how are you going to keep playing, and share something awesome that you learned from your high school experience. And it's really cool to see that and see how students have taken and, sh and shaped what they've learned from orchestra, what they've learned even from other classes, and, and really just package it into something and then in that, in that program at the end of the year, seeing that scholarship number of you know, students that have 300, 400, last year we had $460,000 worth of scholarship money with nine seniors that were uh, at PC West High School. And uh, just getting to see that figure, we were over a million dollars in scholarship money for the district uh, for the seniors that were in our district. And that's really special knowing that those students are gonna be able to continue, even if they're not continuing in music, that music gave them that, that gateway and allowed them the opportunity to uh, study something else. And they'll always take it. And on that, on that point, I'll say one more thing. It, I encourage my students to be music makers, even if they're gonna be nurses or, or if they're going to go into you know, a law profession, even if they're going to you know, try to be an entrepreneur and, and pursue something that's completely 100% away from music in some way, that they don't ever see themselves playing professionally, always make music and, and just create that. Because I, I, on a personal belief, that music just ties us together culturally and it just reminds us of our, of our humanism and, and who we are and, and, and our humanity and, and, and that no matter what beliefs we have or, or how anything affects us, uh, we have that, that commonality. We can all sing, we can all produce, we, can, we need a guitar to back. Like you said, we need you to play um, while, while your wife is singing or while um, I'm playing violin or likewise. And that bridges that gap between us, no matter what our backgrounds are. So. Yeah, I love that too. And you know, as I've experienced, and I'm sure you have too, there's been those moments where I had a guitar, somebody else had a guitar, and they didn't speak the sa we didn't speak the same language. They didn't speak English, or I didn't speak enough Spanish, or German, or whatever language it might be. 
but we could play a Beatles song together. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So would you like to share, you know, because we're talking about crossing boundaries and how, you know, the universality of music as a language, as a way of connecting to our core humanity, maybe a couple of experiences that you've had with music in those ways. Absolutely. Um, one, I could think back to college when I was just playing in a, uh, in a Western swing group um, that, we, that we created at the school. Um, and a couple, even a couple guys were, were not from the school, but we just got together and played old, you know, Bob Wills tunes, Western Swing, some gypsy jazz kind of stuff. And so we decided that we were going to uh, play at a, um, at, a, um, at a folk music festival uh, that was in another state. I think it was in Kansas City at the time. And um, we stopped to eat barbecue. And there was a gentleman there, and uh, he just, he was picking guitar, you know, eating on a rib, picking guitar in, in the barbecue restaurant that was kind of a hole in the wall in Kansas City. And... Um, we just had dialogue with him and, you know, found out his name. His name was Earl. I remember his name. And um, we said, hey, Earl, come play us a tune here. We're, we're a band. We've got instruments in the car. We, we talked to the proprietor of the restaurant and, you know, barbecue fingers and all. We rinsed them and grabbed instruments. And 30, 45, hour, hour, 45 minutes, hour later, we were jamming and, and just creating music with, with a complete stranger that we had just met in a different state, in a different city, um, and just... You know, having fun harmonizing with him as he as he played the guitar, and you know, I filled in licks on the violin, and my friend Harvey would fill in bass. Like it, it was it was a cool experience, and kind of something that as we as we kept driving to our final destination, our hotel that night, it just just hit me like this is somebody that we will probably never see again, that we would have never run into in just a normal way of life, but we shared that moment together, and we were able to create music, and and that's really my goal for our for our students too. Whether it be a, a worship band at their place of worship, or whether it be a um, a family event that needs music, or whether it be a um, really anything in their life that they have that that ability to play something or to even if it's playing for their for their child my little five month old I love getting out my violin and playing for Sadie playing my guitar for her you know just making those sounds that she smiles to and that she she can react to knowing that someday hopefully she'll sing with me and we can create music as a family uh, so it just really wraps all back to what you said that that humanistic approach of, of really seeing each other for, for not just what's in front of us, but on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. It certainly is. And I can attest to uh, being able to sing along or play music with a family member. My dad plays guitar mm -hmm. as well, and he, he plays a lot of folk tunes and things like this, songs that I may or may not have known beforehand. But he, he has granted me access to another culture, another place in time. And music has that capacity too, to speak beyond or, or through generations and to be able to share that within your family. And so we've worked back and forth to communicate in ways that we normally, we never would have been able to talk so directly as music allows us to do. And that's one of the things that music, you know, you can try to put up your, your guards, but it's like a good poem. It's going to come right through you if you're paying attention to it. Exactly. And, and I'll, I'll share another story from that. Like my stepdad, um, you know, he's, I don't, I don't use the term stepdad. He's my dad. Uh, he's been a great part of my life. Sergio's his name. And he plays guitar. He plays classical guitar. And, um, and so I was at a young age as, as he played, he would sing at local, you know, Mexican restaurants and, and uh, just loved all those, those classic Latin folk songs. He sung them all the time and at home and even even for birthdays would you know I get the happy birthday song and I get las mañanitas which is the you know the the the, the traditional happy birthday 
um, from Latin American countries. And so it was really cool my first year teaching at the middle school uh, where we had a student that was Hispanic that had a birthday um, where I got to see them happy birthday and went straight into Las Mañanitas and their reaction, I won't forget, just be, oh, Mr. Jabrinsky, how do you know that song? Well, hey, I, I do because my dad sang it to me. And uh, you know, having that, it, it really can break down cultural barriers too, I think, and, and allowing us to see how each culture celebrates in different ways. And, and just that little touch of, of, of singing to that student in a way that even their parents could have sung to them. Um, and it happens all the time in the music that we select. If we select, you know, we're playing a piece right now called Sahara, uh, Sahara Dreams, I think is what it's called. It's a, it's a great piece for an intermediate orchestra, and it has kind of that, that sound of, you know, Northern Africa, kind of that, that uh, Egyptian sound, if you will, um, uh, that, that really defines that, that region. And we're able to have those discussions about, about what that comes from, what are the traditional instruments that are played in those countries, and, and why we play that, that strange augmented second and what it's called a technical term for what gives it that sound. And, and so they can kind of connect the, what they hear with the cultural aspect with the technical. And it's, it's a cool blending and, and a marriage of all three. Yeah, and they're getting to engage physically with it. You know, they have the intellectual, they have the emotional, they have the uh, the deeper level understanding, the cultural relevance, the history, and then they're actually performing it. They're engaging it. Yes. And so, you know, they have their narrative that's going on. They have the teaching that you're giving them. Their own interpretations are coming through that music, which is another gift, I think. Absolutely, and and it, that's. That's the one thing that I do love about the concert because you can mm -hmm. see that interaction from students. You can see them as they're moving and playing, that they're, that they're really going through that dialogue and they're, they're creating that visual image in the form of music um, and sharing it with the audience. And it, it's so neat because we can all have our, our own opinions of, of, of what that mental movie is that's going on as we're playing our music. And then as, the, as it blends together, it creates something completely different. Uh, that the audience gets. So it's, it's, it's a great way to, to just really bring us together. Yeah, totally. One of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times now is um, about uh, your, your goal and your um, really intention to have students be, I wrote down, lifetime music makers. Yes. But above all, to be music makers, to continue in one way, shape, or form. And I know I speak from personal experience. When I put down the guitar for a while, I had some, you know, some trouble in my life, some addiction. And sure. it was really hard to pick up the guitar because I was just suffering so strongly. And that guitar meant so much to me before. And now it really didn't, you know, through depression, et cetera. But man, when I, when I started into recovery and picked it back up again, I was like, I've been missing you, you know, mm -hmm. and I can't tell you that how many folks that I work with, whether it's, you know, art or volunteering or, um, you know, having deep conversations with loved ones. But a lot of folks that I've worked with or in, in talks that I give have missed music. You know, I took piano lessons when I was younger and I gave it up. And you've heard all the reasons why. Yes, all of them. And, and so many times hearing the students come in. Um, either when they come back and visit the school and they were maybe my student in middle school, now they've graduated. Uh, I've only had a couple years of that, but you know, Mr. Brinsky, I, I re really wish I played more. That sixth grader that didn't choose to continue in seventh grade that's now a senior that comes to me and says, Mr. Brinsky, I really want to jump back in. And we try everything to get them to be able to, but you know, and we have a student this year that's come back after not playing for three years just because she wants to, and, and she's picked it right back up. And, and it's so neat to see her, you know, that, that, that student come to me and say, Mr. Brinsky, I, I missed this. 
I missed the, the performing, I missed the community, I missed the culture, I missed what we were creating together. And um, it, it's neat to see even a high school student understand that, that they, can, they can feel that and that they can find a way to plug themselves back in. Uh, to something that they feel they're missing in their life. Yeah, I love that. You know, um, a big part of music for me, and I think for you, I'm hearing the same similar language. The word that I'm using is it's it's meaningful. Yes. You know, it's about music making is about making meaning also. And it's a way um, not only to express, which is extremely important, you know, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, an idea, uh, you know, going against the status quo or saying why we should stay within the status quo or whatever the message is. But it's also about connection, about something beyond language or maybe underneath language. Emotions are involved, but there's something ethereal or, you know, just just human from way back in our history that's right there in music. And for so many folks that do go back and they decide to pick it back up again, I know I have stories, but I just wanted you shared one. But are there other folks that you can share that either they've gone back to music when they missed it for a while or or you can choose the path. Or they've continued on with music, and they're so glad that they did. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think of I think of one of my students who's currently at university working on a music ed degree, and um, thinking back to when I, I taught them privately before I even was you know certified and taught my first day in a public classroom. I taught them just they'd come to my grandparents' house, and my grandparents had a piano, so we used it. I brought my violin, and we we had uh, music lessons together. This gentleman's name is Dalton, and just being able to to see him on his path now and how he, he struggled with a growth spurt in his life. He grew seven or eight inches over the course of just a few months. I mean, very, very rapid growth and it affected his playing, it affected his intonation. Um, but we overcame those obstacles and um, he, he still really had a passion for music and now I, I think he's a junior or senior at UCO. I, I haven't reached out to him in a few months, uh, probably been close to a year now, but like he, he really overcame that obstacle and he, he kept going and he kept that, that, that passion and he's gotten better and he's overcome some performance anxiety and overcome some, some obstacles to really uh, get to where he needs to be so that he can share. And that's, that's, I think, the greatest thing of this whole cyclical process, kind of taking it down another rabbit trail in education. We've done, I think, a great job in the last few years of focusing more on individualizing students experience in education and working harder as educators to make sure that individual students matter and that every one of them is having growth. Instead of just teaching to a middle or a top or a bottom, we're finding those students individually and making sure that every one of them is growing. And they might all be growing at different rates, but that they're moving. And I think Dalton, the, the student I referenced, is a great example of that that he, he, he had an obstacle and he didn't let it overcome him and we addressed it individually and he rose through it, and then he realized that he was going to have to practice a lot more than he ever had then during that time to, to figure it out and to get to that level. And then as he went into college, you know, the rigor of university versus high school, that he was going to have to step it up more. And, and how he chose to interact with that and what he shared with me about that, um, it, I think it really speaks to the good things that we're doing in education, making sure that every student matters and that that gives them that inner drive and that inner 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 vision that they can accomplish their goal um, because they've been given individualized 
backing, if that makes any sense. I think so, yeah, because it meets people where they're at. Yes. And you know, in the work that I do with people on an everyday basis, I, I use the word narrative a lot. We have storytelling minds, you know, that's how we create our reality. Uh, and then, you know, what we do about that is is a matter of, you know, uh, life growth and obstacles that we face and, and how we shift and shape that narrative as a result. And so what I'm hearing is that this ind- through individualized um, uh, education and individualized plans for students, like you've just mentioned, there's an opportunity to meet them right exactly where they're at. They're still getting outstanding education, of course, that hasn't changed, but it's more individualized for exactly what they really need to help them get from point A to B to C to D. And so in Dalton's example, he went through this growth spurt. That was a challenge. It was a like a disruptive experience in his life. He was met by uh, instructors in his life, people in his life that wanted him to continue to, su- to succeed and equipped him, and is what I'm hearing, with those skills, with the emotional support, with the other aspects that would enable and empower him to do so. And these are the results, you know, that he's able to be more resilient. He's able to persevere. And he knew it, was, it would work because he was convinced. It made sense to him. It was meaningful, the instruction that he received. Yes, and, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head with meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, when students see that the education that they're getting is meaningful and they can make that connection, it takes us back to Silver Strings. When, they, when they're able to see a yard from them, you know, just, just a few paces from them, the power of the music that they're creating and how it's making someone smile or it might be taking them from whatever emotion they were in today to just a brief, a brief minute of reminiscing in a song that they hear or, or just being met with a smiling face that's creating music. Like it, 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 it makes it real to that student that what they're producing is really affecting change on somebody else. If, if I say anything about the, the current state of students, um, at least where I teach right now, it's that all of them want to make change happen, whether it be on a small scale or a big scale. Uh, and, and being able to do that with their instruments and using every day what I'm getting to provide to them in the form of you know, technique and pedagogy, if you will, on, on their instruments, that, that really, I see an inspiration in them that makes them want to work harder and improve more. And then it, it just becomes uh, just an exponential response. Then the, the more that they improve, the more that they're able to, to get that emotion out of people or affect more people through their playing. And, and I'm, I'm sure this goes across um, every single discipline. I just say it in, in music because it's what I you know, eat, sleep, and breathe all the time is, is those students that are in, that, in those musical trenches uh, doing the work of hours and hours in the practice room for that very emotion that um, their audience gives to them in the form of feedback or just a smile. Uh, in the case of silver strings. So yes, that meaning piece is, is really key. Yeah. And then, you know, we all want to know that we matter. So to have an impact is to see that I have an effect on other people. So when the students can see that, and I've seen it too, and the feeling as a teacher, as a parent, or as you know, an audience member sometimes, to see a student validated, that they matter, that they made a difference. If it's, a, if it's a, an exciting difference that they've made or a you know, an emotional difference of, of another kind, or whether it's a thoughtful one, like, hmm, I didn't, I didn't think about interpreting that piece that way. How interesting. You know, just a way to think differently about it. Absolutely, and, and how it really can be 
so life-changing. I'll give you another example of, of a student that graduated a few years ago um, who's uh, just wrapping up, I think, down at OU and Norman. Uh, he really was inspired to be better in music when he was in eighth grade. Um, his name is Santana. And he was, he, we had the opportunity to, he shared some of this, these details with me because I, I asked the class in general to respond in writing on what really perks you up about music. What makes you, you know, kind of like with our leadoff question, what makes you get your instrument out of its case? Um, and, and his response was that when he was in eighth grade, there was uh, an individual whose name was Nick who performed and it made an incredible impact on Santana. And he happened to sing to him during one of the singing songs and, uh, you know, and, and, and played a solo in one of the sections that really just spurred on in Santana's mind, like, wow, this, this really has meaning. This, this is a cool thing that I want to do. Well, I mean, Santana got lots of money to go to college uh, through his instrument and also was a three-year All-Stater uh, in his instrument. And, and you know, I, I don't know if I've ever even personally made the connection between those two. I mean, they're both... They're both friends of mine. I know Nick, and I taught Santana, um, even though I did, you know, I, I friends with Nick and in a different relationship with Santana. But I don't know if I've even ever made the connection that, hey, Nick, do you realize that you impacted this student's life so much? And now that they're both in their twenties plus, um, I don't know if Nick will ever know that story. I, I, after this, after this podcast, I think I'm going to message him tonight because I don't think I've ever shared that with him. But how many of those type of connections never get narrated? They never get shared. And, and I think that's important for our students to see that just because it's not glitz and glamour of, of being publicized or, or you, know, you don't make the front page of the paper holding your instrument you know, playing a rad solo, um, that they really can make a difference in somebody's life that's bigger than anything. I mean, that... that inspiration that Santana had in, in eighth grade, I think led in part, if not in due part, to some of the success that he was able to, to achieve through his scholarship offering uh, in music. And so, you know, if did Nick think about that as a high schooler playing for an eighth grader? Probably not on that level. Um, but that's the, the power of music and, and the power of what um, being really connected and giving it your all and caring about everything that you do can have. Absolutely. And what a great example. You know, the, the title of this intentionally uh, of, of this podcast series is Live Your Purpose. And I'm hearing a lot of purpose. You know, when we really get deep into our purpose, there's a lot of passion there. And there's a lot of connection, a lot of meaningfulness all comes together. I'm hearing it come through your language right now, you know. And I'm, I'm inspired. I'm literally inspired. I'm thinking, you're going to go back and contact you know, these folks and, and let them know. And uh, it speaks again for me to your passion and your commitment and your, uh, just your drive to be an excellent teacher and to care about these kids and, and, uh, and set them on the right track in these formative years. So it just really, I just wanted to say that, I guess. Well, well thanks. I mean, I, yeah. I just, it's, it's not work. It's, it's just, uh, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I, I love getting to see them, as I said before, getting to see them mold and shape, them, shape themselves into different creatures. You know, they, they, they come as, as freshmen, and as, I, as, as years go on, I get to see more seniors graduate, and it's becoming more emotional for me because I knew them earlier. You know, this is in my seventh year of teaching, being this year, my, my sixth graders are, 
our, our seniors of that first year. And so that, that full seven-year sequence from 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade is here. And those remembering back to those sixth graders and how much their lives have changed. And of course, factors have come in and, and some of them had you know, a little bit, little bit jaggedy road between those two dots than others. But, but still seeing them be able to be the people that they are, um, it, it's, it's exciting. And I'm excited for the future of you know, 10 years from now, what are those, what are those students going to be doing? You know, how are they going to be using music? How are they going to even be using just the things that they've learned from music and, and the discipline of, of practice or the understanding that they're not going to play it perfectly, that we, we, we aim for perfection, but we sometimes don't get it. But it's that journey and it's that, that, that mindset that we have of, of aiming for that that really takes us somewhere. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see. I mean, it, it's an exciting road to, to live down because you get to see those, those students beyond um, where they quote unquote finish at the end of their senior year. Yeah. And that's one of the things with what I do is that I travel with somebody in their life over a series, you know, three to four months and sometimes longer, but it's usually for a limited period of time where they try to get from point A to point B in their life, whatever that may be. And to see them do it, it's the same thrill that I'm hearing that you get. Uh, I, I was a TA for a while in the classroom and, and, and did some mentoring and was a, in youth ministry for a while and youth praise band leader with all the electronics and mm-hmm. electric guitar and all that and the really loud music. Um, and, and all that, it's the same thrill. It's that, it's that kick that for me, this is my story, as a recovering alcoholic that I used to get from like whiskey or you know those things. And instead of escaping now, it connects me yeah. to something that really, really matters. And so I wanted to hit this because I wrote a little note to myself to do this, is that for those folks out there that are listening, they may be students, they may be parents, they may be other teachers, or they may just be folks that, you know, they left their art, they left their music behind somewhere, and they're starting to think about, well, what, how can I possibly go pick up, you know, the piano again, or get back at the guitar, or, or start singing again? Do you have some tips or some ideas where people can just take some baby steps and get back to it? I do, and, and I think we're in a great age uh, here in 2019 of having resources to make that happen. I mean, so many times now my students are coming to me with interpretations of the music we're playing from YouTube, you know, or that they've heard or seen. And so I would just encourage any listener or anyone, like, go and find what you want. You know, if you want to play guitar, go find a guitarist that you like and listen to him. And then search how to fill in the blank. And there's probably some great content out there uh, from, from entrepreneurs that are just wanting to be providers of that material online. Um, or even some that, you know, some, some of the companies have, have you know, dove into e-learning and those type of things. But I would just say, jump right in and watch a video, even if you don't have a guitar yet. Um, you know, that, that, that mental mindset of seeing that practice, even if you're practicing in the air, um, you know, being able to, to get that in place and save up and, and invest and kind of, you know, maybe commit to something. You know, save up from a couple paychecks and buy that guitar. And then you have it in your hands. And it doesn't have to be the, 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 the you know, the, the, in violin language, the Stradivarius of, of instruments. You know, it doesn't have to be something that's, that's super flashy or, or really well made. Just something that you can get in your hand and that you can, you can make music with. 
Um, and then I'd also say to more than the digital aspect, that's the easy part. Find a community in your local area that does it. I mean, here on the string side, we have a community orchestra. We have bluegrass jams that happen right here in Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, we have uh, even a group of players that get together and play steel guitar down in Dell City every month. I mean, reach out, you know, reach out on social media, find a group, get connected, uh, and, and then, then show up and, and learn just by watching and learn by, by experimenting. What I love about that community is that there's no judgment in those groups. It's just people that, like we've spoken about all night, are, are, are finding their purpose in music and, and expressing it with friends, uh, with, with people maybe that they don't even know that show up to the jam and play. Um, but don't be afraid that you are not adequate or, you know, I haven't played in so long. Well, the only way to change that is by starting day one today. And it's what I tell my students every single time that, you know, we have a big um, audition coming up for students and, um, you know, Mr. Dobrinsky, I haven't practiced. Well, the only way to change that is right now. And this very moment, you don't even need to talk to me any longer. Go hop in the practice room because after you do that, you can't say that anymore because now you're practicing. So, you know, find that e-content, find a community and dive in. And, and I mean, it's, if you follow that, I think you're going to be able to find some success. I think so too. And I speak from experience. I, I, I'm listening to your advice and I'm thinking, yep, yep, yep. Because when I started uh, guitar, I put it down for a little bit in my teenage years. And then I went to college and there was an opportunity to play a lot more. There was a lot more people around and, and some of them were musically inclined. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn some, some music that I love to listen to. And so for me, I went out and got a real simple Beatles chord book. Yeah. And just, I just tried to play them the best I could. And uh, I hurt my fingers a lot, you know, until I got the calluses. It always happens on the string side of things. I, it, <laughs> Mr. Dobrinsky, my fingers are hurting. And it's real. If it, it hurts is. an adult's fingers, it's, it's, but it's one of those, one of those step stools that you got to get past. Right. So, you know, lowering those barriers that you might have out there, anyone listening to this, if whatever your resistance is, look for ways to, to move around the resistance. If you really want to do this, if you're passionate about music and missing it, get back to it. That's the short answer, right? And then you've got about a dozen really great strategies that you can go back and listen to and write down and take action on, right? So um, I love that. We're, we're just about out of time. I try to keep these at about 45 minutes. Sure. Uh, anything that we didn't hit or, or like a closing message that you'd like to Absolutely. share? Absolutely. Um, I, I think, I mean, being an educator, I have to say, uh, I have to plug the support your local education um, initiative. And, and that's not just on a you know, not just on a, you know, education, quote unquote, but just pour into your teachers because it's, it, we give a lot of ourselves to our students and sometimes we give a little more than we can even replenish. And so I would say that if, if you're passionate about something, reach out to the people in your community. Um, I, I, would, I would absolutely love for a musician that is passionate about music to knock on my door in my office at school and say, hey, I used to play violin what can I do? You know, I, I'd find something, uh, you know, for them to do with Silver Strings or even if they could, they wanted to come and, and, and be our number one concert goer, you know, making sure that they know all of our events, that they're plugged in. Um, just, just reach out to your, reach out to your educators, reach out to the people in your community and make sure that, that they're feeling supported. And, and then the last thing I would say is just kind of goes along with the whole, the whole theme of today. Just 
don't be afraid to take that step. And don't start, don't think starting something is too difficult. You know, it, I love that, that adage of, you know, a journey of a thousand miles starts with that one step. So take that one step. I encourage my students to take that one step every day. Even if they're fourth graders learning how to play the D string, the first note they learn the first time, um, or if they're trying to play a college audition piece, it's that same step that's going to get you to that next level. So don't be afraid to take it and, and, and do it with purpose. Right. So you heard it here. Well, we're going to end on that. Can't say anything else to that except for to echo what Levi Dubrinsky has just said. Get started. Support your teachers. Uh, the way that you can do that, you, he's mentioned several ways to support teachers. Mentor, you know, with your skill set. Jump in there and uh, volunteer. Be an advocate. Be a promoter. Share some events on social media and tell your friends about all the good stuff that's going on in your own community. Exactly. And... If you've missed music, get back to it. Take that first step. It may be a long journey, but the first step is the first step, and that's the hardest one to take. So get after it. Levi, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I really appreciate it. Hey, sure enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you are meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today. <laughs>